Welcome to our end week podcast, the second podcast of the week. As we said, uh, we might be doing this for a while up to the end of this year. Let's see how this goes with a midweek and then an end week podcast. So we're going to be in several passages today. Um, Ezekiel 44, if you want to open your Bibles. Ezekiel 44 is our main text. And then Judges 8. Judges 8 and Exodus 32. Exodus 32 and then the last passage. From Exodus 32, the next passage will be Matthew chapter 11. Let me just confirm with that. I think it will be 18. Yeah. Matthew 18, so Ezekiel 44, Judges 8, Exodus 32, Matthew 18. So, if you want to put a bookmark in all those, but majorly we'll be focusing on Ezekiel chapter 44, and that's the one that you're going to read um, from verse 10. But the Levites, who went far from me, going astray from me after their idols, when Israel went astray, shall bear their punishment. They shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having oversight at the gates of the temple and ministering in the temple. They shall slaughter the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before the people to minister to them because they ministered to them before their idols and became a stumbling block of iniquity to the house of Israel. Therefore I have sworn concerning them, declares the Lord God, and they shall bear their punishment. They shall not come near to me to serve me as priest, nor come near any of my holy things and the things that are most holy, but they shall bear their shame and the abominations that they have committed. Yet I will appoint them to keep charge of the temple to do all its service and all that is to be done in it verse 15 but the levitical priests the sons of zadok who kept charge of my sanctuary when the people of israel went astray from me shall come near to me to minister to me and they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood declares the lord god And they shall enter my sanctuary, and they shall approach my table to minister to me, and they shall keep my charge. When they enter the gates of the inner court, they shall wear linen garments. They shall have nothing of wool on them while they minister at the gates of the inner court and within. Lastly, verse 18, they shall have linen turbans on their heads and linen undergarments around their waists they shall not bind themselves with anything that causes sweat. So, 
so we have been going through the series about ministry unto the Lord all springing from John the Baptist defining himself as the voice and Jesus also confirmed that he's the voice that that's the only thing that confirmed him and that last in the last podcast Jesus affirms that John is the voice and that John will not only be the only voice but that whoever is the worst whoever is the least in the kingdom of heaven he will be greater than John the Baptist okay we went through the fact that ministering unto the lord from our very first text john chapter 3 is standing and hearing the voice of the bridegroom and a person who stands and hears the voice of the bridegroom is the one that bears the voice and that's the reason why john the baptist had the voice he was the voice that was crying out in the wilderness he, in, he confirms it in in john chapter 1 when he gives a testimony of himself and jesus confirms it in matthew 11 when he gives a testimony of john that he is not a prophet he is not to be compartmentalized in a box of gifting neither is he a man of influence neither is he a man of the people he is a voice he is a voice that speaks whatever the bridegroom wanted to speak to the bride and that that is a calling that comes upon both ministers and congregants that if we truly want to be the voice of the bridegroom we need to stand and to hear we have to go past the place where we make ministry all about our needs and all about the ministerial needs of ministering to the people to go further further and to go yonder to the place of ministering unto the lord so we continue and we see the levites the genealogy of priesthood in israel was deceived at this point they had gone so far away that god was removing some of their responsibilities of ministering in his temple it should not surprise us that the state of israel at this point is that they are so far away from god and the reason why they are so far away from god is because the priesthood is so far away from god it shouldn't surprise us that by the time that jesus the messiah came on earth to do his earthly ministry that the people who orchestrated his death the people who did not like the message of the kingdom were the religious priests and so priesthood grew very sick through the history of Israel and up to the point where Jesus came the levitical priesthood was so polluted that they couldn't stand a person who comes in the nature of God and so it goes to show that as the priesthood goes so the people go so the levites they are being punished by god at this point that your punishment is that 
you will only minister in the outer court of the temple. Why? Because you chose to bring what the people want. You are so obsessed about ministering to the people that you brought them idols for them to worship. And that goes to ministers today that we are so concerned about ministering to the needs of the people that now we are willing to bring this and that from the world so that they can be satisfied. That's what the Levites were doing. And so they were punished. And this was their punishment. That you will no longer be able to come into the inner court. Yes, the gifts of God are irrevocable. And that's why they are given only a portion of the temple to serve. They will only serve the outer court. God says that place where they offer, they slaughter burnt offerings. Where they sacrifice for the people. Minister to those places where people need um, a blessing from God where they are, they are praying for breakthrough and they are praying for miracles you will stay there but you will not come into the inner court why? because you ministered to the people verse 12 before their idols you are so obsessed with ministering to the people that you are willing to bring them idols and those idols have become a stumbling block of iniquity to the house of Israel. And therefore God has won that he has appointed to, for, for you to keep charge of, of the outer court, the temple and just its services and all that is to be done by it. Your punishment is to stay there. And so friends, it goes to show us just how God is serious with the fact that he is not only concerned with meeting with our needs that the pride belongs to the bridegroom we want given unto the Lord just so that we can fulfill our needs and to satisfy our needs and our affections and when we have such kind of a utilitarian consumption centered relationship with God we only come to him when we are in need and we never need him anymore beyond that. And that it goes to show that we no longer need God more than our needs to be met. He's just one amongst many idols. And so that's why. That's why there's an environment of idolatry in a church that is only obsessed about miracles and breakthrough. Because God is only needed up to a certain level. And beyond that we are empty. We are dry. And so the minister would rather bring in idols that would stimulate the crowd and, and, and to make the people go wild. And, and, and in this podcast, you're going to go through some of those idols. But here is a new set of Levitical priests that were commended by God. And they were given access to a higher place in the temple. The sons of Zadok. They guarded the sanctuary. When the people of Israel went astray, when they went to worship their idols with their good pastors and their good leaders that wanted to preach to them what they liked to hear, these guys, they guarded the holy things of God. And therefore God is saying, those are the ones that shall come near to minister to me. 
Those are the ones, those are the Levitical priests who are obsessed about ministering to the people. But these guys will come to minister to me. They shall stand before me. They shall offer fat and blood. Does it surprise you that the things that we like in slaughtered meat is not is not what God likes? When when we slaughter God, we love the meat, the things of value, the meat, the skin. But the things that we throw away, the fat and the blood, those are the things that God is interested in. So the other ministers will minister with the burnt offering because burnt offerings was the ones that involved the meats and whatever. The things that we like, the protein, the one that smells nice, but the fat and the blood, those which we ignore, those which we throw away, they please the Lord. So they shall enter my sanctuary. They shall come to my table. They shall minister to me. They shall keep my charge. And when they enter into the gates of the inner court, they will wear linen garments that have no sweat. Everything will be in linen. Nothing will have cotton because cotton, <coughs> cotton is the one that causes sweat. But linen, linen clothes do not issue any sweat. I don't know the biology around that, but I know it works somehow. And so it will be a ministry that has no works, no touch of human influence, no touch of human ego, of religion, no touch of of anything of man, but it's purely God sitting and standing before his glory. That's what John said. He's a friend of the bridegroom and he stands and he just listens. He basks in the Shekinah glory of God. And you are transformed into his image. Hebrews chapter 4. You just stand and bask in his image. In his glory. And you are transformed into his image. We, we said it last time from Second Corinthians. That the veil of condemnation and sin has been removed. And where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom from sin. And that we can stand before the Lord with unveiled faces before his Shekinah glory and we are transformed from glory to glory to look like him that only happens in the inner court in a place where we are beyond asking for our needs in a place where we are just there to worship the Lord the place where we are just saying we are coming back to the heart of worship to the first love I'm not here for blessings I'm not here because of what you can do I'm just here Lord for who you are And so, I want us to go back to verse 12 and just to compare and to contrast the reason why God forbade these other Levitical priests from coming into the inner court and why he allowed the sons of Zadok to uh, to come into his inner court. So verse 12, it says, Because they ministered to them before their idols, and became a stumbling block of iniquity to the house of Israel. <laughs> Exodus chapter 20, uh, chapter 32 declares an incident where Moses had gone to minister to the Lord high up in the mountain. The Israelites were in the desert and they were 
they were just a freshly born nation from captivity and God was establishing the foundations for this godly nation for this priestly nation and that Moses gave Aaron charge over the people as he went high up into, into the mountains and Moses was ministering to the Lord knowing his needs what God wanted for his people he didn't go to bring supplications or anything he just went to know he went to know God's heart for his people and the people were not patient enough while Moses was in that place and they were and they were saying that we don't know what has happened to him we, we can't wait any longer and they started to put pressure upon Aaron the look we don't know where these guys went has gone but please could you give us the gods that we are familiar with from Egypt give us what we were used to when we, when we were in the world bring it here in church so that meanwhile we can worship it because we don't know what these other guys doing in fact we don't know this god yet and so Aaron being a modern day minister being a modern day pastor and priest he tells them give me your treasurables give me your necklace the ones that you got from Egypt your jewelry give me all that and he melted it and he made it into a beautiful golden cow that resembled what they were worshiping when they were in Egypt and they bowed down before it and they worshiped it and they adored it and given that the ceremonies were so much on heat and they were they were so much adoring the idols maybe Aaron in in a moment of in a moment of guilt said uh, how about we just have a like a small service eh like a small service of just worshiping this Yahweh a bit and then we can resume the other service and that's exactly what they did it's just a small chunk it's what we do in our modern day services just a small chunk of worshiping God but that gets boring and then we go back they went back to prostituting and doing the other things and so idolatry is not that there is not the holy things of god in the church it's not that we don't desire to worship the lord it's just that we don't desire it enough we don't have words for it and therefore we just put it as a small part of the program and then we can go to our other areas now those are the ones that we spend time in services and in ministry A similar story follows in Judges chapter 8 and it is a story of Gideon at the latter parts of his ministry before his death and he is from a great victory of defeating Midian and the people of Midian see that he is a great and a mighty warrior that has brought peace and has brought justice and they see that wow this guy this is the leader that we want yeah this is the leader that we wanted we already told god that we don't want him to be our king and so god gave us judges but this is the judge that we have been looking for a judge that resembles the leaders outside there in their other power in their other power nations and therefore they they put the pressure on gideon 
just the same way they put pressure on Aaron. Look, we want you to be our leader. We want you to be the one who will lead us. And Gideon, still battling and fighting to guard the place of God before the Israelites, he tells them, I can't be your leader. My sons can't be your leader. It is God who will be your leader. But Gideon in that moment, instead of standing his ground, he succumbs to the pressure. And he tells tells the guys, okay, give me your your treasurables again. Just like in Exodus 32. Bring it to me. He melted it and he made it into a nice effort. Effort was that it was it was a it was a ceremonial garment that the priests of Israel used to wear. And so Gideon, just the same way as Aaron, tries to bring in some Christianese. He tries to justify idolatry by spirituality. And he thinks that because this is an effort, it won't be big, a, big, a big thing. It won't be a much of a problem. But the problem is that once Gideon hangs that effort in that town, all the people bow down before it. And they worshipped and they prostituted on it. And ultimately, even Gideon himself and his family, that was a stumbling block unto them. And so that word, stumbling block, is the one that is here in Ezekiel chapter 44. Stumbling block. Does it surprise you that in both those stories, how the ministers succumbed to the pressure of the people? That we want you to minister to us. We want you to be our main man, to to be our guy, because you listen to us and you can do our bidding that the people are not willing to wait enough to hear what the Lord will direct, that they start to formulate their own, their, their own thing, their own religion. And a minister succumbs to that pressure and it gives them what they want. He, he takes in their desires and their needs from the world, their fleshly desires, and he manufactures it into something that looks spiritual and the people fall and worship their own idols in church thinking that it is even something spiritual but it is just that you have taken the same same desires that they had from the world the same same needs that they had when they were in the flesh and you have painted it to be a golden cow to be something that looks spiritual and therefore they bow down and they worship it and they miss the worship of God and this is these are the idols these are the idols that I've been talking about I apologize for the noise all around so I'm calling them false gospels these words are oxymoron the gospel is a gospel of truth. But imagine false and gospel appearing in the same sentence. Golden cows. How gold is associated with the holy things of the temple. The gold that the Israelites were given from Egypt was supposed to go and to be offered to the Lord 
in the service of God in his temple. But in this case, it was converted to a cow to be worshipped. So golden cows. Another oxymoron. From the story of Gideon. An effort of prostitution. And therefore in the church you have efforts of prostitution. An effort, a garment of priestliness, of holiness. But imagining it appearing in the same sentence as prostitution. Because when Gideon hung the effort, the people prostituted themselves before it. That's what Judges 8 tells us. In Ezekiel 44, we find out that there are Levitical idols. Imagine the Levites, the priests of God, bringing idols. Those two things can't appear in the same sentence. But they do in these scenarios. And so these are the false false gospels. These are the idols. I listed them. Number one, the only two, but they are praying in different forms. Number one is the gospel of you're not good enough. Number two is the gospel of you're good and sin isn't a big deal. So those are the two extremes, two idols. So in the first category, in the gospel that you're not good enough, we have work-based religion of condemnation. is religion that has a form of godliness but denies its power its intentions are good in demanding a fruit a fruit from the disciple from the follower of God but you don't show them the root and so we demand them that they must wear decent clothing but all for the wrong reasons it's now you must wear that to be acceptable before God But the root was supposed to be love. The love for the brethren. The love that comes out of fellowship with God. It's supposed to change them and to transform them. And whether someone is seeing or not, they will wear decently. But because we are demanding them to act on a Sunday, to put on a certain kind of clothing and to cover their hair, in their back doors, they are indecent because that's not who they are. And so that's That's the work-based religion of condemnation. It tells them just how horrible they are and the things that they they must do, the do's and the don'ts, to earn God's favor. It's setting people up for failure. There's another gospel of demonology where we spend all the time casting out demons and preaching about demons and letting demons to preach to us. We give them the microphone and they speak to us in a service. And that the pastor has a whole theology on demons and that's what we, we, we speak and we teach every Sunday. And we enter into a victim mentality where everything that happens in our lives is because you have been bewitched and there are demons and there are but there is no time to consider that even the demons themselves, their gateway to your heart and to your life and to your house is through the flesh. And so we just preach the demons, but we never preach the fact that you need to crucify your flesh and to walk in holiness. And therefore what happens is what is in Luke chapter 11 where Jesus says that the demons go and they replicate themselves seven times and they come back now as a team. Why? Because they went and they didn't find any rest. And when they came back, Jesus describes that they find a house that is clean 
that is organized but it is empty. They come back and they find a church-going Christian. They come back. This is a person who was previously exorcised, but they found him just to be a church-going Christian doing religion. That's what Jesus describes them. Just a clean house that is in order, but it is empty. We didn't teach them discipleship. We didn't teach them how to crucify the, the flesh. We didn't point them to the presence of God and to ministering before the Lord. And therefore the demons, it's a recycling of demons. And so the pastor exercises every Sunday and they go back to the week and they are exos- and, and they are possessed even the more. Because they keep giving entry to the devil. All because the pastor told them the, the main problem are demons. You're just victims. Next is the gospel of habitual sin. It's a new one I found recently. This, this is the one where you are told that you are a sinner and you can never be any more than that. So even after proclaiming the gospel, they say that you cannot be better than sin. That There are habitual sins that will never leave your life. And so it denies the power of the gospel to change. Romans 1, 16, 17. The next gospel is a gospel of cessation of gifts. We say that gifts have ceased from the church. Why? Because we just don't think that we are as good as the apostles and the early church. That those were in the category and in a class of their own. But us, we are not as good as them. And so you can, you, you can see why I'm calling this group the gospel of you're not good enough because it is based on depression. It is based on fear. Next is the gospel of Calvinism. You've heard it, the, the gospel of predestination, where we now believe that we don't have a free will because we don't feel like we are loved and we are valued by God we would rather say that we are robots in this earth and that we are programmed. Some are programmed to go to hell and some are programmed to go to heaven. And that even me, myself, I'm not even sure whether I'm the one who was programmed to go to heaven or to go to hell. An unsure salvation. Based on the fact that we don't feel that we are valued and loved by God enough. Next, the gospel of self-help and self-improvement. Self, self, self. These are psychological tricks from the world. All these things are what Aaron and Gideon did. They are things that are taken from the world and they, and they come to be spiritualized. And so we have gospels of self-help and self-improvement where they tell you that there's something wrong with yourself and therefore you need these 10 steps to improve. You need to do this, to do that, to improve your life. Friends, the Bible says that self needs to die. The self needs to be denied. It doesn't need to be improved. It doesn't need behavioral modification. So the gospel of self-help is based on behavioral modification. Next, the gospel of titles. So all these things, all these things in this category of the gospel that you're not good enough are all because we love in the world in the world and deep inside us right now we love control or we love to be controlled we we love a routine life and therefore we would rather say that we were predestined we were programmed 
we would rather go to the religion of do and don'ts. We would rather go to a religion that is about programs and a way of service and a way of order. And it's also because in the world and right now deep inside we are feeling depressed about our lives. We have a low self-esteem. And so we would rather say that we are victims of demons. We would rather say that there's something wrong with ourselves and therefore we need self-help. So all all this gospel is because we never believe God loves us enough. Number 2, the gospel of your good and sin isn't a big deal. Number one in this category is the gospel of prosperity. You know all about it. Everything will be fine in your life. We'll be millionaires and we'll be billionaires. And they spiritualize it by saying that when we have influence and we have money and we have status that we are we are able to reach to the people who are in the higher echelons of society and blah blah blah. And so people will accept us because of how complex we are in society. Number 2 the gospel of feel good religion and motivational speeches it's a gospel where now someone comes with a very charismatic sermon to tell you of how you should never give up and all these and all these and they're patting you at the back and they'll never tell you enough about sin the gospel of miracles and wonders is the one that we have been talking about mostly just believe in god that he's a miracle working god and yes he is but that's all that he is to you the gospel of the word of faith declaring faith which is the foundation of our salvation but that we have made it all about that and that now we we are going to use our faith to get money that we want we are going to use faith to get spouses that we want fulfill our desires the gospel of the law of attraction based on the word of faith gospel again this is another psychological trick from the world this is another of those jewelries that Aaron asked from the people that Gideon asked from the people and that we have spiritualized it is the gospel that tells people that your mouth is powerful and they misuse the verses in James about the mouth having the power of life and death the tongue and that now you can use your tongue to call millions of dollars to call your spouse and you can use your tongue to do anything and to pass exams the next is a gospel of advertisements and entertainment advertisements give us a false sense of hope in products and items and materials and entertainment is a big license to sin in this generation you can use entertainment for anything right now we can be hypocritical about women rights on one end we claim that women need their rights but we are so okay with songs that speak about the private parts of women and they tell them to bend over and to do this and to please me we are okay with that because it's entertainment on one end we are preaching about the holiness of god and god being the authority in the spirit but we are willing to watch movies about witchcraft and vampires because you know what it's entertainment it's just game of thrones gospel of entertainment wants the pastor 
to entertain you just like you entertained during the week with Netflix. And so the pastor is there to to make you laugh and to joke. And the worship team is there to play your favorite playlist. And everything in the service is just to make you to be entertained and to be hyped. Gospel of Entertainment says that we should go into mission schools in high schools and we should make the children to dance. And that like Aaron, we just speak briefly about God and then we go back to hype. That's it. The gospel of morning affirmations where we are going to tell ourselves of how good we are but we'll never confess our sins before the Lord. The gospel of charismania where now it's all about gifts that now you we idolize tongues and now tongues are a spiritual language they're the heavenly language and that whatever happens in your life is tongues even when you have disagreements with your spouse speaking tongues speaking tongues about everything so you have a broken marriage because all you do is to speak in tongues but you never confront your weaknesses you never say sorry you never walk in humility because at the points of conflict at the points in your life where you feel discouraged you just speak in tongues you never have the time to confess that i am in sin i am feeling weak i need prayers you just speak in tongues the gospel of inclusion or come as you are haven't you heard already that there are homosexual pastors because we call them in and we allow them bring what you had in the world then we will spiritualize it in church that was Aaron and Gideon there's the gospel of prideful new creation which says that now we are king and we are queens in the kingdom and that kings don't beg and that kings and queens do not sin and we overutilize verses from 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 the epistles of John to say that now we are new creation and we can't sin and yet in our lives we are sinful and so in all this in all this bracket of the gospel of you're good enough and sin isn't a big deal it all comes it all springs from those jewels in the world that we came with the jewels that we are supposed to offer to the lord and these are those jewels we loved charisma we loved talent and we loved giftings and manifestations And so when we come to our priests we are telling them we're giving them the pressure like the people are giving Aaron and Gideon give us this and so we give them that it's an environment of talent and gifts and charisma and influence it's because we love material gifts and so the ministers will give you word of faith and morning affirmation and law of attractions because we love entertainment an average person is entertained for 30 hours in a week today and so when we go to church we want to be entertained still and we'll use entertainment as a license to anything because it's just fun even in weddings nowadays weddings in church playing secular music playing music that speaks about a false sense of love music that tells women you can sleep with any man and we are playing them in church all this gospel is because we never want to hear that we need God to conquer sin. And so friends, 
This is the stumbling block that the Levites put on the people. They put a, a, a stumbling block before the people. And Matthew 18 reminds us, this was Jesus saying, that whoever causes any of these little ones, because they have come like children to you as a priest, whoever causes any of these little ones to fall, it's better for them to tie a rope on their, on their neck. It's better for them have a great rock fastened on their neck and to be drowned into the depths of the sea. It's what it declares. And it's not only for the minister that they need to, to take that responsibility, but you also as a congregant who put the pressure on the priest. Because you remember that in the story of in the story of uh, of Gideon. And also in this story of, uh, of Aaron and in the story of the Levites in Ezekiel 44. That the priests also fell and stumbled on their own idols. Gideon and his family stumbled on their idols. They also prostituted. It was a stumbling block to them. And so remember that when you put pressure on a leader and they do what you want... They are causing a stumbling block to you, and you also you are causing you are causing them to fall into sin. And that the same charge will be on your shoulder. Let's remember these things, friends. Let's remember that it's a dangerous thing to go against the Lord and what He wants. And so today we are going to pray that God make us to be focused on Your presence. Make us to just learn to be as John the Baptist says, that we will delight in hearing and standing before the bridegroom to hear his voice. Make us to delight in holy moments where we just sit in your presence and we don't want to live. In moments where it's not for our blessings, we have not come for our blessings because you don't owe us anything. In moments where we just say, we know what you can do. You're a miracle-working God but that in this moment we just want you. Moments where we'll go in vulnerability before God and say that we are sorry that we have just gone through the motions of religion and tradition in the motions of church where we just wanted to sing another song, to do another program of discipleship, to, to, to go to another someone and all that stuff. But we never wanted you. Take us back to the place where we, where we started, where it was all about you. We need to go back to saying sorry that we came with our own agenda. We need to go back to, to say sorry to Jesus that he has not been good enough for us and ask him to take us to the place where we started. 